Greetings and welcome to an Odyssey into Oratory. I'm your host, Dan Riley. At the start of the previous century, a remarkable woman was born, yet she's still widely unknown today. Her birth name was Mildred Norman. She was raised on a poultry farm in New Jersey, and given that era, her early years were fairly typical. She was popular in school and smarter than most, was captain of her high school debate team, and class valedictorian. Although she was raised without any particular religious affiliation, she had a reputation as always striving to live life by the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It was the years that followed high school when her life became unusual. The golden rule might have been her starting point, but it was during this period she began a much deeper push into a spiritual life. In addition to living the golden rule in the physical world, she believed one must purify their thoughts in the spiritual world as well. And to achieve purity of thought, she believed people must achieve freedom. Freedom from alcohol and tobacco, freedom from greed, and freedom from internal and external conflict. As a young woman, she eloped. Shortly thereafter, her new husband, with World War II on the horizon, joined the Air Force rather than register for the draft. Mildred by this time was a passionate pacifist. She begged her husband to go to jail rather than to war. She told him that she would visit him regularly in prison, but not one day on the battlefield. The marriage was short-lived. With a divorce, the recent death of her father, and an unfulfilling job as a secretary, Mildred was now in a crisis. She frequently walked in the woods, and on one fateful night she walked until dawn. She was exhausted and frustrated when she finally spoke these words to the universe as she tells it. If you can use me for anything, please use me. I withhold nothing. And then of course, I felt I had found what I was seeking. I experienced a complete willingness without reservations whatsoever to give my life to something beyond myself. Over the next 15 years, Mildred searched for her specific mission. She volunteered with many organizations, helping senior citizens and special needs people, but it was in working with peace organizations that Mildred was most drawn. During this time frame, she became a vegetarian, gave up the only vice she ever had, caffeine. She stopped eating all products with refined sugar. And like one of her favorite authors, Henry David Thoreau, she spent considerable time in nature on a daily basis. She was the first woman to hike the entire Appalachian Trail in one season. It was just after that hike when Mildred claimed a vision came to her. With the Korean War and McCarthyism top of mind, she saw vividly in her mind a map of the United States with colored lines charting a course from Los Angeles to New York. She knew that instant what she was to do for the rest of her life. She was to begin a pilgrimage for peace. She divested herself of all possessions, which included her clothes, except for those she would wear on her pilgrimage, and whatever personal items she could carry in a tunic she would wear. The blue tunic emblazoned on the front with the words, Peace Pilgrim, and on the back, walking from coast to coast for peace. To begin her journey, she took advantage of the free publicity the Rose Parade in Pasadena, California would provide. So it was on January 1st, 1953, Mildred Norman, her name now officially Peace Pilgrim, began her pilgrimage for world peace. 
As she walked among the floats, she passed out a self-authored press release claiming she was to remain a wanderer until mankind has learned the way of peace. She literally began her pilgrimage without even a penny in her pocket. She carried no money or food. She would walk until given shelter, fast until given food, never asking for either. Her pilgrimage for peace would include three simple strategies, walk, answer mail, and speak of peace in that order. She had a P.O. box set up in New Jersey where her sister would retrieve the mail and forward it to a city she would be visiting. She would crisscross the United States seven different times. She walked in all 10 provinces of Canada and many states in Mexico. She stopped counting miles at 25,000. She would only accept the gift of new shoes when the ones she was wearing had totally worn out. Her tennis shoes would last for about 1,500 miles. And because we know of the 29 occasions she accepted tennis shoes as a gift, she walked approximately 43,500 miles. As her pilgrimage matured, she had personally assisted thousands of people in transforming their lives with her steps to inner peace, which subsequently became a book. She carried on hundreds of correspondences, especially with young girls, assisting them in finding peace in their lives. She was asked to head up organizations for world peace, or at least lend her name. She declined all those offers. She was emphatic. She was no guru. She was a pilgrim. She would accept no money. Even if she was offered a sandwich for the road, she would decline to take it. Why burden myself with something I don't need? When I need food, it will be provided. It was on July 7, 1981, after a 28-year pilgrimage, that the Peace Pilgrim's journey came to a sudden end. As a result of a head-on car crash, she was killed. In those years, she would accept car rides for the many lectures she gave at colleges, churches, and civic events, and to radio and television stations where she often gave interviews. She claimed her three-part strategy remained the same all those years, but ranked differently. In the latter years, she was to speak first, answer mail second, and walk third. There are so many remarkable aspects to her 28-year odyssey, it would be impossible to capture them all. She was never sick, not so much as a headache, she would claim. Never sprained an ankle, no knee or hip problems. She would walk through scorching deserts with no hat, suffered no heat strokes, no sunburn. She organized her route so that she would walk with the seasons, therefore avoiding the extreme heat and cold. She did tell a story once about when she almost died when a blizzard struck one of the northern states. It was the typical near-death story. She encountered angelic beings in a glorious dimension that she did not want to leave. However, she was told it was not yet her time, her work was not yet complete, and was guided to a highway underpass where there was a large cardboard box in which she took shelter until the storm had passed. The Peace Pilgrim saw a spark of divinity in every single person she came across, and she believed people were aware she saw this spark in them, and hence they responded in kind. In all those years, she never missed more than four or five consecutive meals. Often she would sleep in parks, outside public buildings, or even by the side of the road. Aside from being arrested twice for vagrancy, she was never harmed or assaulted during all those years on the road. In her lecture, she claimed all human beings can access a source of energy that is infinitely greater than youthful energy, and it was that energy 
she claims sustained her. She believed world peace could never come until we as a human race found inner peace. She taught strategies for that, which are still taught in many prisons today. Friends of Peace Pilgrim is an organization formed to carry on her message. A half a million copies of their book, Peace Pilgrim, her life and work in her own words, have been distributed worldwide. 1.5 million copies of her book, Steps to Inner Peace, have been sent to over 100 countries and translated into 12 different languages. Yes, Peace Pilgrim was a modern-day Francis of Assisi. Dare I say, if she had been a man, her name would probably be uttered in the same breath as Eckhart Tolle or Mahatma Gandhi. Okay, this is a podcast about public speaking. What does this story have to do with that? Everything. First, she may well have been the most effective itinerant speaker since Ralph Waldo Emerson. I first told the story in a speech I gave to a civic group in Pasadena, California, and as a member of the Pasadena Chamber of Commerce at that time, I was asked to participate with one of their civic group's New Year's program. The program named the year about to be entered, which I forgot now, followed by the year of personal transformation. In addition to having a significant tie to the city, the story spoke directly to personal transformation. Stories do what bullet points could never do. They communicate nuances and capture complexities of life. Storytelling is the most important tool in a speaker's toolbox. In this podcast series, we will explore storytelling extensively. So with that, our journey for today has ended. This is Dan Riley taking you on an odyssey into oratory. Until next time, throw off those bow lines. We're on the moon now.